Something's got to change. This has got to stop. Had to start this episode out with giving my thoughts and prayers to the families and the victims in the Uvalde school shooting that left left 19 children dead and two adults. Man, America's got a problem, man. This is this is an ongoing problem. This is the second mass shooting within weeks and it just feels like every single day we wake up with the fear of of losing our family members um and something's got to change something's got to stop there's got to be gun control laws in 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 this this state so before we talk basketball just thought i'd start give a message out to those lives lost man um extremely sad day for america extremely sad day for for the world um for those families uh, i'm just sickening and sad man something's got to change and uh Man, thoughts, prayers. Just can't can't reiterate that enough. Um, so thought I'd start with that little message before we we start this episode. But without further ado, let's get into this episode post game after the Warriors, the Warriors and Mavericks uh, with Lance. Who that? We that? We back with another episode of Hidden Takes. Um, you're probably wondering where's my guy John at? He, he couldn't make it to this episode, but we had to bring on a. a Great guest, a, a a guy who's been on all the time, Lance Makeham, Dance Camparosi. What up, Lance? How you doing, bro? Oh man, I'm good. I'm real good. So I'm happy to be here, man. It stinks that John's not on, but hey, you know we're gonna have a good podcast, just the two of us. Exactly. We make it. We make it work. Make it work. But yeah, let's uh, let's get. It. So we're recording right after this um, this Warriors Mavericks game. The Mavericks came away with this win, uh, one nineteen to one oh nine. Uh, man, yo, Lance, th- this game was crazy, man. We saw the Mavericks have a 29-point lead in this game and then dwindled all the way down to eight at one point with the second unit in this game, man. Um, th- just kind of for me personally, Warriors fan, as, as, as all the supporters know, um, as the family knows, I-, I kind of expected this. A lot of people had thought this series to me could have been 2-1 in favor of the Mavericks, man. And that's just the way I see it. The, the Warriors haven't really dominated. There's been stretches a lot of the third quarters, but times when the Mavericks didn't make shots. And what did they do tonight? Game four, they just made shots, man. And that's exactly what happened. 20, 23s for the Mavericks. But what did you see in this game, Lance? Um, weird game. Weird game. Yeah, it, it was more of like the energy level from the starters for the Warriors. That's the first thing I noticed. And it kind of seemed like they were out of it. It didn't seem like they were playing with that you know, that gusto that they were in the first three games. And that, to me, was kind of lost. I believe Stan Van Gundy had even pointed that out, that the energy from the starters was just not there tonight. And that second unit came in and really brought them back in this game. You had some huge plays from Jonathan Kaminga. Um, Moses Moody got in on it. Jordan Poole looked pretty good late in that fourth quarter. But, um, yeah, that was the biggest thing I noticed was there just wasn't that much energy from the Warriors to begin with this game. Clay Thompson, I mean, I'm not looking at the stats right now or anything, but it seemed like he was playing pretty well for a moment, and then he just kind of disappeared. I actually took a note, and, man, I'm glad I didn't tweet this out because I thought the Warriors would have this game with about two minutes left in the second quarter. Clay Thompson drained a three. I think it was over Dorian Finney-Smith, and I'm like – that's right there. That is going to be the moment where this game turns and it's going to be the Warriors to win this. So they're going to sweep them. They're going to the NBA finals. And obviously that didn't happen, but yeah, really just the energy from the Warriors starters. That's the thing that caught my eye. Yeah, man. I, I Shoot. I, I was with you that second quarter. They looked like they had it and then just kind of slipped away. But a lot of it to, to me, we, we see, when the Mavericks are successful against this zone, you know, the, the credit to the Warriors throughout this series, um, they've been switching up the defenses, giving Luka different looks, giving Jalen Brunson, giving their point of attack players different looks. And it's it's been throwing out the Mavericks, but what did they do great tonight, uh, Lance, was they got, they got the ball in the paint, were able to draw multiple defenders. You know, we've seen a lot of times Luka drawing multiple defenders, but as – and indifferent to previous games, they were knocking down shots. That was just simply the difference um, in that that first the first half, just at a historic rate. But um, what, what do you do? You think this recipe 
is successful this this draw and kick um you think they can replicate this in game five on the road like i think the warriors will bounce back i think like in every i'd have to really go back and look but um i believe in every series the warriors have played they've had a game like this where they look kind of lethargic they weren't really hitting shots curry wasn't really doing his thing you didn't see too much from draymond i think they bounced back but the mavericks they really took advantage of it i mean the thing that I noticed too was that they really were driving and kicking, like you were saying. They were attacking the heart of the zone. The defense would collapse and they'd kick it out, and everybody seemed like they were on for the Mavericks. I don't see them duplicating the three point shooting into the next game, but definitely that recipe of attacking the zone, whether it's Brunson or Luka Doncic, you know, attacking that zone, getting to the heart of it, and kicking it out. If the Mavericks want to win, they need those two to continue to do that. And not Luca's not really afraid to drive and take it at guys. But Jalen Brunson, you know, there are sometimes he'll be kind of quiet in games. But when he is hitting shots and then driving and kicking, that's when he really makes some noise offensively. And I expect that to continue for Jalen Brunson. I mean, you know, there's one more game for him really to, you know, secure the bag. And you're going to see something big from him. But in terms of like the shooting, I don't see the Mavericks carrying that over into game five. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I mean, you look you look at these closeout games and, and you know, you heard Steve and Gendy and, and the, the rest of the TNT crew in that game talking about, you know, closeout games are the hardest things in the, in the NBA to do, because like you said, guys are playing for a contract. They're thinking about next season and flat out. They just don't want to lose. Um, and that's what we saw. Mavericks came out just on one. I, I'm honestly like it, I didn't think they were going to miss like every shot. Um, they they threw up. It looked like it was going in, but let's talk yeah, they had bit. yeah. Well, like, they had eight yeah. guys that made at least one three pointer for the Mavericks. Like Nuts. I don't know, really know what the average is for them, but yeah. eight guys making at least one. You had Reggie Bullock with he went six for ten and he had a bad game um, in game three. So for him to bounce back like that way and shoot sixty percent from the three point line. Yeah, again, like great shooting night for him, but that's a hard number to carry over into the next game. And, I mean, you're going to expect some more greatness from Luka. I mean, he went three for 11 from the three-point line. He'll probably have a bounce-back game, but if he's feeling it, that means someone else probably isn't feeling it. So, again, I think it's like the three-point shooting, it was there for the Mavericks, and I think that's the biggest indicator for this, uh, for why they won this game. Mm-hmm. And it was also, too, I thought it was early on we saw a different kind of pace they were playing with. Not only the fact that they were they were controlling the pace of the game, whereas I felt in the other three games when the Warriors would make their runs, the Mavericks were trying to play right into it when they just – tonight they came out and established right away, like, okay, we're going to play with our pace, but then we're going to change it up too, like giving it different, different looks, um, which allowed Luka to get going too. We saw – Right away, I knew knew it was a different energy when he did that. He threw it back to uh, – he had the three, and he contested it, and he threw it back with that give and go. I was like, oh, okay, okay, the, Maverick, the Mavericks are ready to go. Like, I mean, it was just a different kind of energy. So, um, Oh, definitely. Yeah. And there was at some moments where they were playing with a much faster pace and trying to push the ball, and that was something else Stan Van Gundy noted noted in the game was just like the pace they were playing with and you're right man the Mavericks they did control that game but then they also picked those sweet spots in the game where they could just kind of take advantage of a, you know a transmission a transition bucket so yeah the Mavericks I mean they played a hell of a game yeah yeah so now we like not now they put in another great game but then you flip it to the to the dub side they they came out flat as we've seen in the previous um, three road games or two previous road games, I guess, to this one in Denver and then in Memphis, they came out flat, not ready to go. Just kind of like Ma- the Mavericks are going to roll off, uh, roll over, which didn't happen. Um, and this is a Golden State Warriors team that's looking to make their sixth trip to the NBA finals um, in eight years, which only MJ, the GOAT in my opinion, it has done. So th- this is... This is kind of uh, familiar territory as a, as a Warrior fan, but you kind of look at it as it's it's not going to be given. You know, you've made it this far as as the Warriors. I think they they kind of took it for granted, which surprised me as well. Like I, I thought it was going to go five, but but Lance, how are you feeling about? Um, there's been conspiracies thrown around about the Warriors trying to make that extra ten mil to go back to Chase. Play 
play another game at at uh at home you think it you know it, i oh man the conspiracy theories like i love them they're fun to talk about i mean yeah i but i think these guys and you know with steph clay and draymond they're a little bit up there in age they probably just wanted to win this game you know they but like you were saying earlier they probably came in and thought you know we got this this is already in the bag we're already going to the nba finals and even though you're up 3-0 we've seen teams be up 3-0 and or at least three one and i mean i remember it kind of reminds me of tracy mcgrady when he told the pistons we're already in the second round and they came back to win you know three straight games to close out that first round against them and i'm not saying that will happen with the warriors but it's just that same kind of like attitude like we're already in the nba finals you know we we, we don't have to come out with uh that target on our back mentality we can just come out because we know we got this game and the win game five, you can't do that. You got you got to go at the Dallas Mavericks. Absolutely, yeah. Like I, I yeah, I agree with that. Like you, if they would have won tonight, like I, I, on the question I asked about the conspiracy theories, like if they would have won, they had nine game nine days off until they play their next game. Exactly. Like I, I just I don't believe, it. especially like you say, the maturity of this team. Um, hard for me to believe, but it's which is also surprising why they'd come out flat, but. But, hey, man, they did it. The Mavericks, to their credit, they came out ready to go. But um, let's talk a little bit of, more about, like, stats. Like, you see you see the lines from some of these guys. I, more specifically, I want to talk about Jordan Poole, a, a guy that you had listed as a dude you want to go over to Detroit. The dude went 5 for 10, but I just feel like, you know, he's, we saw him pick up three fouls in the, in the first half. He's getting attacked, Lance. Like, it's, it's clear to me that defensively, as great as he is offensively, I just feel like he's giving so much up defensively. At times, you can't even play him, to be honest. Like, he's such a liability defensively. Um, but how how you feel about Poole and, and his – is he giving up too much on the defensive end? Yeah, it, always, it kind of always seemed that way with Jordan Poole. But I also think the reason that is happening now – and it kind of seems that it's happening in a closeout game. Mm-hmm. But, like – it almost seems like he's trying to take upon himself to do too much offensively. And maybe that's what's factoring instead of letting the game come to him and playing with what the team is trying to do defensively, he's trying to do too much. And I mean, not even just on the offensive end, but like, you know, even like when there's a foul called, I forget um, a couple, it was the last game, game three, where he kind of like walked over and made this face to someone else. I'm like, man, dude, you're like wasting too much energy doing that stuff. Keep your head in the game you know, you know, get the job done first and then make those faces. And like, that might just be, that's just something I noticed, but more importantly, going back to like what happens on the court, it just seems like he's playing too much offensive ball and not giving that same energy defensively. Like it's almost like he's conserving himself for the offensive end where they need him to be able to play both sides going forward. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I agree. Like it's, it's, we we even saw when they made that little run, which is, which is completely like crazy that the, the 29 point, which I found is a little bit of for a win. If you look at the Mavericks, we talked, they were talking about, you know, they don't want to put Luca back in. Should we put him back in Steve curse thinking about the chess game? Should I put the starters back in? We saw him put Steph in late, but um, I think of it, them making that run in that second unit, like I mentioned earlier, cutting it to, I believe, yeah, eight. Uh, was a win because you brought the starters back on the floor, which you don't want to do. You want to give them some rest if you're the Mavericks and Jason Kidd. But uh, but definitely, definitely a win, man. But look, yeah. Oh, I, I was just going to say, too, about like those guys, you know, for the second unit, especially Jonathan mm-hmm. Kaminga. I mean, I don't know how many minutes he played in the last game or if he got a didn't uh, like a did not play or anything. Did not play, yeah. Yeah. He so these like those minutes for him were very crucial. And I think he can still be a factor in the series because he's six foot nine. You know, he can kind of play that Draymond Green small ball center. He provides good rebounding and energy. He can hit a couple shots. He can kick it. I mean, he can push it in transition. Like there's a lot of things. He plays a little erratic at times, but these were big minutes for him. Cause I think the Warriors really, you could use a guy like Jonathan Kaminga and like his athletic ability and what he could do offensively and defensively for you. So I thought it was just big minutes for Jonathan Kaminga. I just wanted to point that out. Like, yeah. I think he really took advantage of that. And, you know, maybe we see him in game five a little bit more. 
Yeah, I mean, Kaminga, like, you're right. Kaminga, Moody, we've seen him. I mean, you 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 love to see that because especially when they lost uh, Otto Porter in, 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 game, in game three, you need those forwards, those long, lanky guys to step up. And to Steve Kerr's credit, like they mentioned on the telecast, he gives those guys looks like a lot. You don't see a lot of other teams in the league doing that. Um, maybe maybe some teams, but get, playing all those guys. But it pays off, I guess, um, down the road if you're in these type of situations when you need uh, the next next guys to step up. But um, but real quick back to the pool. I want to get your take on this. Like it, this is kind of off season talk. Pool and Wiggins. Like we've seen, we have we haven't had an episode since the start of these series, but. Let's talk about Andrew Wiggins, like his, bro, like career resurgence series, arguably like Lance, like he he might be, I know this might like raise a few eyebrows, but to me, he's been the most important player. I'm not going to say the best player for the Warriors because I think it's Steph, but he's been the most important player uh, for the Warriors, like bro. Yeah, no. What do you think about Wiggs? Oh man, I love Andrew Wiggins. Like I, man, as soon as the Warriors got him a couple seasons ago i'm thinking this is the perfect player for what they're trying to do you can put him in that harrison barnes role if you you know and then he's going to come out and play great defense and i thought his defense would get better and it has looked better because you know he's taking a smaller role offensively and he's allowing the game to come to him i love andrew wiggins on this team and i don't know if you were kind of like alluding to like who's you know if you had to keep Andrew That's Wiggins or Jordan Poole. Exactly yeah. what I was alluding to, yeah. Yeah, I, I think Andrew Wiggins is way more of an important player than Jordan Poole, and that is no yeah. offense to anybody listening to it, you know, or how uh, – I'm a huge Jordan Poole fan. I would love to see him come to Detroit. Right. I love his game, but Andrew Wiggins, what he brings – offensively and defensively, that's way more important. I mean, there was a moment in game three, and I don't know if they've done this in game one and game two, but every time Luca left the floor, Andrew Wiggins left the floor, and every time Luca came back on the floor, Andrew Wiggins came back on the floor. To have a guy like that that can really get in the face and make things difficult for a guy that I think is a top five player in the NBA, that is so much more important than what Jordan Poole brings to your team. Yeah, no, I agree. Like, it's... It's simply the fact that, and I, and like you said, three and D wings in the NBA are so hard to come by. They're 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 not you're not finding them. You're you're doing it, and and any team that has them wants to keep them, right? Like Jordan Poole, yes, he's showing the flashes. He's younger, but I agree with you, man. Like so so hard to 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 find. Like he might have a higher ceiling, but oh yeah, oh, especially as an offensive yeah. player, Actually, especially as an offensive player, but yeah. like. You know, the thing that you were saying, like the three and D. Yeah. And like Andrew Wiggins, he's not your typical three and D guy because this was a guy that when he was drafted, he was supposed to be like the franchise. He can go out and get you a bucket. Like if Steph is sitting, if Clay is sitting, you don't have to worry so much about those guys' offense because you're not always going to get it from Wiggins, but you can get it from Wiggins. Like he can create his own shot. He just baptized Luka Doncic in game three. Like he can attack the rim. He can hit it for a mid range. He can shoot the three ball. He plays within the system. He can break a defense down. Andrew Wiggins can provide so much for a team. And he, I'm, I'm very happy and thankful that he found this role, found a role on the Warriors and he can thrive in it. Mm Mm-hmm. I, I just think of it as a situation if you're the if you're the, the Warriors and you're that front office, I think you gotta find a way to keep both. But oh yeah. But it's it's based on like if they if they go on to win the, the NBA title, like I think Joe Lacob, Bob Myers, they're doing whatever they can to keep him. But like you mentioned about Wiggins, if I'm him, I'm looking at I've seen the the other side of the grass. I've seen it ain't it ain't greener. Like being the number one option, as you mentioned, he was drafted to be the number one option, and that see how that worked out of him worked out for him. And now he's almost in what you'd call a perfect situation, um, playing in the perfect role for him. So I think he might take a pay cut, which would help out. Um, but but yeah, I just wanted to get your your take on that. But if I I'm, I I agree with you, if you got to choose between one of them. Especially you take in fact for the Warriors and their their glue guys of Steph, Clay, and Dre. They're not getting any younger. You can't exactly. wait on you can't wait on Poole um, to develop in the the top player he can be when you got Wiggins as he is now, and that's a perfect fit for the Dubs. So 
Yeah, if, I mean, if the Warriors are trying to extend their run, mm-hmm. and I mean, I don't know the contract situation. I know Jordan Poole is going to have to be resigned. I believe. I don't really know what's going on with Wiggins, but if you're trying to extend this dynasty, you're trying to make it, trying to find some, trying to get both guys back. Mm-hmm. But if you're really, if it, you're all in on winning championships, you're going to want to bring. Andrew Wiggins back because you got a guy like Moses Moody on the bench. He just had 10 points in this last game. He could potentially fill that scoring role off the bench that Jordan Poole is bringing. Like, I'm not saying Moses Moody's going to drop 30 points in his first, in a playoff game next year. And, you know, average, I think 18 that Jordan Poole averages past season, somewhere around there. But Moses Moody, given like given time, he could definitely slide into that type of role offensively. So, again, man, like I've said it a couple of times, Andrew Wiggins, yeah, he'd be my guy. He's more important to this to extending that dynasty. Yeah, I, I I agree. And then and then and then you talked about contracts. Both of them have a year left. I think Jordan Poole. I have to check the facts, but Jordan Poole, I believe, has one more year on his rookie deal, and then um, at the end of the twenty of next season. Um, Wiggins has is an unrestricted free agent so definitely gotcha. definitely like they they they're thinking about it heavily this offseason with their work they're going to do um wouldn't it be crazy if Andrew Wiggins comes away with the finals mvp like if the, i mean i know we're not even in the finals yet but like right. The way he's been playing with Luka Doncic, like against Luka Doncic and you know how he's been do, going both ways for the Warriors like it, he kind of reminds me of like Andre Iguodala and his role on the Warriors when he won it, like when he stopped LeBron. But I was just thinking about that. That'd be cool to see Andrew Wiggins come away with the finals crazy. MVP. That would be crazy. I, I, but do you think? Do you think like because what argument could have been made? I, I agree. Like Iguodala, the first year he he won it, I think was was deserving. I mean, he had a huge huge part in in slowing down LeBron. But you you think they they take it away? Like you think they? I think if they win it, Steph's going to get it. You, yeah, you it, think there's any chance they do? Like, Well, I think if he's this is part of the, him, though. Right? Yeah, well, this is like the conspiracy thing. I think that they want Steph Curry to have a finals MVP. So mm-hmm. I think they'll like, I mean, he's always had good finals. I don't know why everybody says he has bad finals. Yes, he's right. definitely had some bad moments, but overall, he's been good in the finals. He's just been overshadowed by you know, Andre Godala's defense and then, you know, the play of Kevin Durant. So I think there have been times where it looked like he was deserving. So, yeah, I think I, I if I was if I was betting in the Warriors were in the finals, yeah, I'm putting my money on Steph Curry to win the finals because, one, he always plays at a pretty high level. But also there's that factor in like, yeah, you know, this kind of completes his career. He's been a regular season MVP. He's been a champion, but he's never been a finals MVP. We're going to give it to him. And I could easily see that happening. But I would love to see Andrew Wiggins come away with it. I think that would just yeah, be got, amazing. That would be wild if Wiggins got. That would be the ultimate like flip reversal of stories for him too. Like I, I couldn't be mad at, at Wiggs winning it as well. But um, but yo, Lance, let, let me let me put these put these numbers out. You let's talk about Luca, um, in elimination games. It look, bro. I I just I just I swear this dude relish relishes this moment, like being in this kind of that villain role i know this was at home but i feel like he's gonna have another huge night he's had huge nights throughout this series but 39 9 and 9 46.7 assists 14 uh rebounds 33 33 11 8 35 10 4 4 30 14 9 um 36 points per game is the highest in nba history um in elimination games the dude the dude's just just a problem. He's unbelievable, man. I I really think he's top five in the NBA. Like he just made the All yeah. NBA first team, so mm-hmm. I don't know if that confirms it with other fans. But Luca is he's that next guy that that next player up that you don't want to miss. Like you're gonna drop whatever you're doing to watch a Dallas Mavericks game. Like I think Luca is ascending into that category, and he's just proven it in the playoffs. Like. If you haven't watched Luca, like if you're still debating, you know him and Trey Young out of that draft class, draft class, who's number one? It's definitely Luca. Like he is clear cut ahead of everybody in that draft class. Like, like I said, he's I think he's top five in the NBA right now. His numbers are just amazing, and he just makes it look so effortless. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Like yeah. he's not 
you would like when you pointed out when you were sharing those numbers, you would think this guy is just breaking a defense down, throw like making highlight play after highlight play. But then when you watch him, it's a couple step back threes. It's like he's jogging to the rim. You know, it's just a funny way he goes about getting these buckets, getting these points, and. You know, it, it really is unbelievable. I can't really say much more about Luca and those numbers because they are just – they're incredible. 36 yeah. points a game. It's amazing. Right. right. And it's the way he, like, manipulates the defense. It's – he just picks it apart. Like like you mentioned, he gets wherever he wants. You're not you're not speeding him up. He's playing his game. Um, it's it, That's why it's, it's unguardable, right? Because you're yep. – you're trying to make you're trying to speed him up. You're trying to keep him to it. You're trying to take away his right hand. Okay, he's gonna go left, and then he's gonna find someone for a an easy layup. He's gonna get a floater, or he's gonna get someone for a wide open three. So as a defense, you're just kind of at you're taking away something, but you're giving up something. Like it's like you someone used this analogy. I don't even remember where I hear it. Like uh, a boat's leaking. There's three holes, and you got two pegs. Like wh- which one you which one you trying to clog up? That's like trying to like trying to defend Luca, to be honest. But, no, exactly, uh, exactly. He um, the other thing about him too is what I which I really love to watch is how he identifies the weakest defender and he will just call out switch and call out switch, you know, until he gets that matchup that he really likes. Like right. he's a brilliant bat. He's a real savant at basketball. Like mm-hmm. he's one of these genius level players that sees things before they happen and can just like you're saying manipulate the defense and man yeah. just enjoy him while we have him in the nba right, right. what do you what do you, how you feel about those like lebron comparisons in terms of you know like with the with the grayness like obviously the athleticism but which yeah say, how do you feel about that no i mean i think if you're just comparing him as an all-around player offensively it's it's fair like there's you know lebron james like throughout his career, he could play point. He could play on the perimeter. He could even play down in the post like he did in Miami. He had so many facets to his game that he was – he's essentially unguardable, and I think Luka is in that territory. The one thing I'll say, though, that LeBron gives you that Luka doesn't at this moment is just that that level of defense that he can get to. You know, like LeBron – so, I mean, I don't know how – I don't think he's that great of a defender now, but mm-hmm. in those prime years – yeah, he was a he was a very good defender for Miami and with in Cleveland. You know, like he he brought it on both ends, and that's something you haven't really seen from Luca. So I think if Luca really wants to ascend into that LeBron James territory, um, he needs to work on his body, work on his conditioning, and just put more of an effort defensively. And you've seen it a little bit this year, but you know that that would complete the evolution and make the LeBron comparison you know, that much closer and that much more, I guess, realistic, you know, I could say. So, yeah, I mean, I don't hate it, you know, but there's a little bit to, you know, there's a little bit more meat on the bones for Luca in his game. Yeah, I agree in the sense that it's defensively for him and it always will be like, you see, we see the flashes, they're there. And like you mentioned, the IQs there. So if you he has the size to be a good defender, maybe not the athleticism, but that you can work on that. You can get that lateral quickness. You can build that. We've seen all these guys like Curry's wasn't the greatest athlete. He turned into a serviceable defender. He's not a great defender by any means, but he's serviceable, not a liability. And if Luca can be that and then maybe a little better because he has the size um, that, that a lot of superstars don't about six, seven, six, eight with, with, you know, sheer, just like brute, brute force. So um, yeah, we'll, we'll see what he can do, do. Um, but I just wanted to see what, what your take was on that. that uh, yeah. No, I mean, like I said, I think it's a solid comparison for sure. I definitely see it offensively. Like they have, they both have some of the most complete offensive games, mm-hmm. you know, that you've, I've probably ever seen in the, like the last 20 years of me watching basketball so yeah that, that, that comparison is fair you just want to see the defense come from Luca. yeah okay okay and then I had I had to ask you this and it's perfect that you're on because you you know this era you know this era too well I'm sure as a Pistons fan so let's talk about MJ I'm not comparing don't get yeah. it wrong I'm not comparing MJ and Luca, but you know in uh in the landscape of the NBA MJ had to go through the bad boy Pistons. I know you know that well. So 
Luca and the Warriors, like the Warriors have been the class of the West. You think that's a similar, like, what do you think about that comparison in terms oh, yeah. of? Oh, yeah. That's, I think that's fair. Like, the I next think, level of just being that, it, the, the, the superstar. He's yeah. It. And we've already kind of seen it with Luca this playoff series where they're, they're like, well, he hasn't gotten his team out of the second round. Well, he got his team out of the second round, mm-hmm. but now he's going up against a dynasty like the Warriors, who, you know, there's when they're rolling, they're still the best team in the league. So I think that's a fair comparison. I don't know if this is the only series these two will play against play against each other. But if I were a betting man and both these teams stayed healthy next year, you're probably going to see the Warriors and the Mavericks in the Western Conference Finals next year as well. And I think it's going to be the same thing that the Warriors take it away. And yeah, you're right. Jordan had to go through some tough teams, you know, the Celtics, um, the Sixers, the Pistons, like he went through some tough teams to get to where he was. And yeah, I see the same thing for Luca. I don't know if Luca wins six in a row like MJ, but the, just the fact that he has to go through a dynasty that is playing him tough and taking, you know, making things difficult for him. Yeah. I see that similarity for sure. And yeah, yeah it's, it, it's an amazing similarity. Like, like it really is. It's kind of, it's kind of cool to see it unfold. Cause you know, I mean, we haven't, mm-hmm. we had LeBron James, but we haven't seen like that storyline. And I hate to say that, but like, you know, we're, we're talking on a podcast, so it's fun. We're, yeah. this is part of the media as it is. Right. So like that storyline of a player that had to, you know, battle it out with some really good teams in order to reach the, you know, reach the peak, which is an mm-hmm. NBA championship. And it's so true too. Cause you look at all these superstars, like we saw with, with LeBron, well, you know, you mentioned MJ, we talked, we're talking about MJ. He had to lose you're building up that scar tissue, right? Like yep. what doesn't, what doesn't break you, what doesn't, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Right. And let it he, that experience of losing and losing all those series, just getting beat down the Jordan rules, all that led him to his six straight titles. So he knew how to win. His teams knew how to win when we get there. LeBron, same thing. Cleveland, he lost. He lost to Dirk his first year in Miami and then built that story same way. And this could be a similar, like history is bound to repeat itself. Could be a similar story with Luca. You're building that scar tissue. Those losses only make you stronger. So same thing with the Warriors. Like they had to lose. They had to lose to the big boys on the block. They, we saw them blow. Well, they, I guess they won that first, first one up against Cleveland, but that was a lot of lot to do with, you know, injuries and, and circumstance, yeah. as you see with any title run. But then they lost. They blew the next year, the 3-1 lead, but that that didn't break them. They were able to get back. But just what I'm trying to say is, you know, repeat yeah. yourself, right? Like, exactly. Like every – like every team that gets to the like gets to the NBA Finals and wins the championship, mm-hmm. they all have had some type of road. Like, but if we're talking about an individual player, we haven't seen an individual player go through what MJ has. Like, we haven't seen it in a yeah. long time. Like, but we're kind of seeing it with Luca. So yeah, yeah. But you know, the Warriors, like, man, they took full advantage of what they could do, and you know, they took advantage of some being down teams to get to where they're at. And it looks like it's going to be a six finals appearance in eight seasons. It's incredible. So we'll, we'll, we'll touch on the the next series, but just to wrap up this, this series, talking about this series. So you got Warriors taking care of business in game five. Or oh yeah. Saying? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm saying, I'm saying we're here. I think, I think they, they had their, they play with their food in game four, but they, they'll take care of it um, in, in game five here coming up. Yeah, who knew? Maybe the NBA conspiracy theorists were right. Maybe they just wanted to win at home. Yeah, (laughs) and I. But also at the same time, I think it's kind of a must win. But who knows? Who knows? Like game five, you really don't want to go back, especially on all that rest. So, all right, man, Lance, let's talk about. You know, we talked a little bit about off air about this. The weirdest, weirdest Eastern number one. These these playoffs have just been weird, just in injuries, all that. But the Boston Celtics tied 2-2 versus the Miami Heat man there hasn't been a close game in this series um but the weird thing is the Heat sorry have been dominated by the Celtics um they've won nine of three nine quarters the Celtics to the three for the Heat and only four have been tied so the Celtics have been dominating this series dude what have you what have you been seeing in this though Man, it's been such a boring series. Like, I yeah. would rather watch the Pistons without Kate Cunningham. I'm going to be honest <laughs> with you than watch Jeez. this series. I, yeah. uh, 
I thought it would be like a real tight coming down to the last second, every mm-hmm. game, seven game series. It's just, I don't know, man. It just seems like they're flipping the script every single week. I mean, every single game. I don't know mm-hmm. what is going on. Like the Boston Celtics, I think they have been the better team throughout the series, but they just have these like mental lapses where, you know, they're just not putting it together for like a couple quarters and the Miami Heat take advantage mm-hmm. of it. But Boston, I think they take it in seven. Miami, really, it's just they're a fun team. They're a great regular season team. I just think they're missing something or someone to really, like, push them over the top and make them a legit contender. But really from this series, I just, you know, I mean, like, Boston defensively, that's probably the biggest thing I'll take away from it. Like, they – even though the Miami Heat have won two games, they've looked really good defensively. Like Al Horford mm-hmm. doesn't look like he's 35. Robert Williams is doing his thing. Um, you know, they're getting good depth and good play from guys off the bench. So Boston really like, I'm I'm just kind of surprised that they're really tied 2-2. You know, I yeah. think they should at least be up 3-1. Yeah. No, they they could have swept this series ultimately. They like I said, they've won nine quarters to Miami's three time four. And it's also, also like you talked about their defense. They got seven defenders who can guard almost one through five, which is exactly insane. Like, no, I mean, no other team in the, in the left in the playoffs can do that. Um, which is why I just think at their peak powers, Boston can do it. But well, like I, what I was talking about earlier, they don't have experience and it showed why they're it's two, two right now, because, Warriors been there, done that. Mavs don't like ha, don't have that experience. Miami does have experience, but for them, I think it's been guys like Kyle Lowry um, and players who have just been out. And not to mention the fact that you already mentioned they don't got the they don't have the weapons that that Boston has. So it's been just just a weird series. Like and like right? Miami has like these guys that are specialists, but like your best right. shot creator is Tyler Hero, and he was out mm-hmm. in the last game, but. They need in like, I mean, I know Jimmy Butler can create a little bit for himself, but they need really someone else to just go out there. Then like that identifies as a bucket getter. Like they just don't have that third guy. Like you want it to be Bam or you want it to be Kyle Lowry, but Kyle Lowry's a little older. Bam really just doesn't have the offensive game. He's more of just that Swiss army knife. Great player. Nonetheless, he just doesn't have it offensively where you can just go give him the ball and he'll go get you a bucket. It Mm -hmm. almost seems like he's looking for the better shot. And then like you have another specialist in Duncan Robinson that was playing so well during the regular season and has been nothing in the NBA play in the playoffs for them. Like I think in order for like Miami, like use everybody that you have Mm -hmm. on your team, even if they are like a Duncan Robinson and his best skill set is shooting threes. So figure out how to put him in the game and use what he's good at. And I think that would be a turn for the series, but I just yeah. don't see it happening with Miami. Yeah. yeah, no, I agree. Like Duncan Robinson, it's you, you got to unlock him. And I think the best way Lance for them to unlock Duncan Robinson is with Bam. I think he, Oh, on Bam real quick, he's got to do what he did in game three. If they have any chance of, of being competitive or winning this series, um, and the weird part for Miami uh, that, that Eric Spolstra talked about, he, he was saying, like you mentioned, he, was, he said after game four that they, defensively they weren't locked in. They, they could have got more stops, but they held Boston to, to 102. So it's scoring for them. So they, like you said, they got to try something different. If it ain't, if it ain't working, you got to try something di- different as the same as if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But it's not working, so you got to fix something. And that's D- Duncan Robinson playing him. Um, cause the other guys haven't been able to, 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 to get it done. Um, and you gotta, you gotta show something different that you haven't shown, um, throughout, but on the flip side for Miami, they got home court these next yep. three games. So if you're Miami, you gotta be looking at, at game five and saying, we take care of that. We, we give ourselves, we may, might lose in Boston, but then we have game seven. Like you just got to protect home court. Do you think what do you like? Do you think that's possible if you're them? Yeah, I think uh, Miami they'll they're dealing with some injuries, so it's mm-hmm. it, it seems that like too. it's the perfect opportunity for Boston to take advantage of it. Right. But 
I mean, it's Miami though, too. You know, like they mm-hmm. have all the they have the pieces. They they've been playing together for a while. They have one of the 15 greatest coaches in Eric Sprostra. He'll be able to figure it out. So yeah, I could easily see them um keeping home court advantage. But at, on the same side of that coin, I could see Boston just taking advantage of, you know, Miami, like, being down a couple of players. Like, and mm-hmm. Boston should. Like, they're coming into this game with the momentum. They just won by 20 points, you know? Like, yeah. Jason Tatum's on a – he's on a new high because he just made all NBA first team. Like, he is the clear-cut best player of this series, and he just needs to show up. And, yeah, I just – it's – even though I see Miami, like, they can keep home court advantage, I think the more most likely outcome would for be – would be for Boston to step on their necks and take it from them in game five. Uh, yeah. And it, it, I, I'm the way I look at it is if they don't get, if Miami simply doesn't get the Jimmy Butler, they got in games one and two, and they give that same three and four, Jimmy Butler obviously got hit hurt um, and in game three, but if they get that similar performance, they have no chance. Um, no, ex- and, exactly. and I think it's Boston at six. I think they'll take the next two. Ultimately, like are you, 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 you with that sentiment, I mean, Butler's oh, yeah. I mean, up. I know I've been saying uh, seven games, but you're right. Mm-hmm. I mean, like if Butler isn't stepping up and mm-hmm. being that guy, like we know he can be, we've seen him put the Miami Heat on his back. Like we've mm-hmm. seen him carry this team going back to the bubble days. So, yeah, if he's not going to show up and he gives you a lackluster performance, this is Boston series in six games. Right. And it's weird. You, you can't really look at we can't you know, we've had the last four games of the of the series. You can't really pick out one game or or stretches of a game because it's been so lopsided in each victory. But I look at that game three um, where it was the closest of the, of the three of the four games. And I look at that because. It was weird because Miami had controlled most of that game, and especially the fact that Jimmy Butler went out. He didn't play the entire second half. And that at that point, I think Boston was down about 15 um, going into the second half. And you, to outside viewer, I know myself personally thought Boston would make the comeback, right? You know, you're at home, you're game three, a series tied 1-1. This is Boston's times, right? And Miami, number one, the 19 turnovers – um, from Boston is where I see an issue. And maybe the one little chink in the armor of weakness of, of Boston and their versatility is I don't see on Boston one point of attack guard creator. Because if you look at Boston and you see Marcus Smart, what is he good at? He can, he can get down the lane. He can get a shot. He can create his own shot. But he's not a true point guard. You look at J- – Jalen Brown, he he can get his own shot. He can create his own shot. Kind of an inconsistent three-point shooter, but mid-range, cold. Obviously, he can get down the lane. Jason Tatum, and, and I say this in saying they've all shown flashes of being playmakers, but they haven't done it on a consistent base, consistent enough basis where I'm comfortable with that. And I think that's what Boston truly lacks, um, is that a true point guard creator for the rest of the players. And J- and Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and and Marcus Smart aren't those guys to me, and and especially not Derek White too. Yeah, no, they definitely are lacking that point guard or that player that can control the pace, set guys up, you know, move the ball, like you know, keep the ball moving around. Because like it's very easy for Boston, like they have the personnel and Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, just like give them the ball and say, you know, go do whatever. And I don't know right. if that's what the coach tells them to do, but they can do that. So I think you're right. They are lacking that player on the team at the point guard position where they can just control the pace. But, you know, they got, they got a guy like Al Horford. I don't know how much of Al Horford you want setting up the offense, but he's very capable of doing it. Like he, he's a very smart basketball player where he can kind of run things and direct traffic and, you know, make a good pass to a guy cutting and maybe they need to go to Al Horford and let, you know, let the offense run through him. It sounds funny saying that, especially when you got a guy like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, but you're right. You need a guy that can set everybody up and, you know, get them easy buckets. And I think Al Horford, he's probably the best player on this team at setting guys up. So, yeah, but I agree with you. They, they are lacking that guard that can control the pace and can control, like, the tempo of this team. Yeah, I, uh, that's the only real concern. I think if Boston plays their full full strength and full capabilities, they're, they're winning this series in six. But then I flip it to Miami and we, you know, we talked about Bam and his dominance. 
I just think where Miami struggles, obviously they have depth, they have injuries, but with Bam off the floor, they're minus so much. Um, and and uh, Dwayne Dedman's been a negative in this series. And then when and even when PJ Tucker goes to the five, they're not getting anything out of him. He's a minus right now in the series. So I just think, like you said, what are they what are they gonna gonna look to? What are they gonna switch up in Game Five? Whether it be if you're gonna play small, you gotta have shooters. If you're if you're if it's gonna be a defensive battle, you gotta you gotta flip the script and try to go to an offensive battle. You you might as well live and die by that three, like we saw Dallas uh, in in the Western Conference series. You put like you said, Duncan Robinson. You put all those shooters, all those scores that you have, the specialists, um, and see what you can do that way. Because right now it's not working. I mean, I mean, I think too, like when you're bringing up those numbers with Bam out of Bayou, like. When my when he's on the floor, Miami needs to capitalize on what he brings defensively and, right. you know, give him some offense. So, like, what he's doing defensively isn't going – isn't just – man, I'm trying to find the words. Like, isn't – not going necessarily going on notice, but, like, when he's out on the floor playing defense the way he does, make it matter by putting up points, by taking advantage of that, of those – some of those possessions he gets you by being that force defensively. And then when he's out, you know, just – put guys in the best roles and you know again um I don't know how you make up for Bam defensively with Dwayne Dedman and PJ Tucker you know what I'm saying like Mm -hmm. I guess it's just if Miami really wants to win it you're gonna have to talk to Bam and be like dude we're gonna need you out on the floor for like all 48 minutes you know like you matter this much to this team so I mean if that's really the case for Miami yeah this is over in six (laughs) yeah I mean and and it's also like you talk about switching it up and 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 flipping the script. My, I'll read this fact. My uh, the Celtics shot twenty four more free throws than the Heat, obviously, and they won by twenty. Um, and that's that's you look at a series and and storylines and everything. But even in any series and playoffs, you can't you have to defend without fouling. Exactly. If you're if you're putting guys at the line you're allowing them an opportunity to score with the the shot slop and boston didn't even shoot it well they shot eight for 24 um in game four so miami's just gotta can't be can't be letting them score um from the free throw line especially at home um with that limited is it just me that that home crowd is awful in miami like it's just plastic yeah, and whatever yeah. It seems like they're almost empty, though, right? Like, right. there are moments that, like there's a lot of empty seats. I don't get mm-hmm. that. Yeah, I'm not sure. Especially, and you look at it, too, they've they've had sustained uh, success, too. So, just a lot of stuff to do in Miami, I guess, man. <laughs> yeah, instead of going to a basketball. I guess if LeBron James isn't playing, who do you really want to watch? But, true, true. You know. You, you, you don't got a true super. They need hey, they need uh, Donovan Mitchell. I don't know. Maybe. Oh, yeah. He, was, a, uh, he would take him over right? the top. I would love to see him on that team. I really would. Yeah, I mean, because you look at what their weakness—he's a true number one option. Mate, is he? But then you get you get J- this version of Jimmy Butler in the playoffs. It seems like I feel like every year we get—he's underrated because he's. I see. I feel like Butler's not playing like this in the play, in the regular season. He always balls out in the playoffs. Yeah, he to this um, level. Yeah, yeah, he definitely shows up in the playoffs, which is. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's you can call Jimmy Butler a leader and you can call Mm -hmm. him like a big time playoff performer and still let a guy like Donovan Mitchell take over. But, yeah, I would I mean, since we're talking about Donovan Mitchell, yeah, I think he would push them over the top. He's a guy that can just go out and get you a bucket like that's what he can do. And I mean, he averaged like 25 a game this past season. But, yeah, it is weird with Jimmy Butler. Like you don't like it's almost like he kind of coasts through the regular season. Mm-hmm. You know, and then when it comes time for the playoffs, he just shows up. He's just saving himself for for the playoffs. Yep. Hey, smart, I mean, you know. I mean, yeah. he's, he's up there in age, so why not? Yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of these. I I think I think that's what what a lot of these players do ultimately. Because you, you you think about it like this: like if you're, it's a it's a night in. I mean, I hate to say it, like Indiana, maybe Detroit. I don't know on a Wednesday night, you're not putting in all that effort, right? Even right. even at like a regular season game in Phoenix, right? Like you got to pick and choose your battles, right? Guys are getting up 
for different. Yep. So it's hard to to play all eighty two because that wear and tear, right? So exactly makes sense, man. But yeah, um, you got it. You got any other thoughts or, or things you want to talk about with the with the the series? Um, not so much. I mean, I would just like it to be more competitive throughout the game. I'm so tired of blowouts, man. They get yeah. like, I get, I get so excited to watch basketball, whether it's college or the NBA right. and the NBA playoffs. I mean, they're like, it's an exciting time, you know, like I think basketball is the best sport, but Jesus, when this is the product you get, it gets so boring. Like I yeah. find myself falling asleep in a chair yeah. almost during this series. And I would yeah. just like it to be competitive from the start to the finish. I mean, man, Miami only had one point for like up until like four minutes in the first quarter of their last game. That's like great. what the hell is that, dude? I don't yeah. understand that. So yeah. Yeah. I guess from the series, I just want to see it be more competitive and I just yeah. don't want to see a team take a lead and hold a lead for the entire game. That's not fun basketball. Right. Zero lead changes in that last game so yeah that's terrible that's that's terrible um largest lead 32 so yeah no i'm I'm gonna agree with that and and say we just want some competitive competitive games at least double like single digit games man i'll take that even if it's like eight nine point games exactly i'll take something closer than a blowout yeah but but as we wrap up here yo who who you got in this series i didn't even ask like what you got Oh, I'm taking uh, Boston with you in six series in, in six in, oh, six games, man. Six, I'm gonna say it here. Six, I'm gonna yeah. say six. Yeah. So I yeah. think uh they take advantage like we were talking about. I think they take advantage of game five. Um they're because I mean they're rolling, you know, and mm-hmm. then I think at the garden in game six, you know, they're gonna take yeah. it. So I, I would say in six games. Yeah. And I'll say Warriors in five. You know, I think that's gonna yeah. be the matchup in the NBA finals, Boston and Golden State. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm agree. I'm agree with both of those realistically Celtics and six would love it. Love that series to go seven, just so some more wear and tear as the, as the warrior fan in me. But realistically, my pick is, is Celtics to get it done in these next two games in a row. Um, Cause like you said, they're rolling um, and they, they got that, that confidence that if they, they execute their game plan, they knock down shots, they get to the free throw line. Um, Cause they have the attackers to do so. Oh yeah. That, that Miami can't hold them. Um, and there's going to be discrepancy every time. Um, so, so yeah, man. So let's, let's wrap this up. Yo, Lance, appreciate as always having you on the show, my guy. Um, where, where can our, where can our listeners and, uh, and family find you, man? Okay. You can follow me on Twitter at Lance Caparossi. You can follow um, our podcast page on Twitter at E Pistons pod. I'm pretty sure you can type in everything Pistons and it will pop right up. You'll see, I believe it's like a cartoon animation of Cade Cunningham, but then you can follow us on Instagram at everything Pistons podcast. Um, that's not hard to find, but you can also, if you want follow everything hoops on Instagram, a small social media page that I'm trying to grow. That's where you can find me growing constantly. He's, he's putting in work on there and both, but yeah, definitely check out, Lance, your go-to Pistons, NBA, knowledgeable dude. That's why we always have him on the show. And just a great all-around dude, too. I appreciate um, my that. Guy, my, guy, my guy for real. So, uh, so yeah, as, that's, that's going to do it for us. Um, as usual, follow us on Instagram. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Throw us a like, comment. Um, just let us know how you're feeling about these series, man. We're always down to debate and, and, and talk NBA. So, As usual, we appreciate your support and Clutch Talk out.